down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name, glory to His name, glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. I am the one dressed with so sweetly abides within, there at the cross where he took me in, glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name, there to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to His name. Oh, precious mountain that saves from sin. I am so glad I have entered in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to His name. Glory
medley of the great hymns, Boys and Girls Going on the Children's Church, you can slip out at this time, and we're going to go back to the book of Ephesians again today. We find ourselves in the second part of that um, second chapter, uh, but I want to go back and read uh, the entire second chapter today. So we're going to go back and read what we've already studied as a way of review, uh, because we're going to see a transition, because it says, therefore... So I want to go back and read what we've already studied in the first ten verses, and then we're going to finish up that chapter today. Ephesians 2, I'll begin reading at verse number 1. Ephesians 2, begin reading at verse number 1. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also... We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, so we see a turning point, but God who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up together, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And now today's portion beginning at verse 11. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that He might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Would you bow for a moment of prayer? Father, thank You for this Word. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit who inspired this Word. May He open our minds, our hearts, our understanding today to behold these wondrous things, may He have His will and way in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice uh, the, that in that uh, verse 11, 
which is the beginning of our passage today. I want you to notice that the second word there in that uh, verse is the word remember. Therefore, remember. Do you ever have trouble remembering things? Do you ever have trouble remembering things? It's no surprise if you do. We're bombarded with information um, at an alarming rate. More now, I think, than ever in human history, we have information coming at us literally 24-7 from multiple sources. And our poor brains, um, they just struggle at times to to keep up. They struggle at times to remember things. So we need to remember things. So what do we do? We, we, We go about doing, maybe we set some reminders. Maybe we take our cell phone and we set some alarms. But the problem is sometimes you set an alarm and if you don't label it, it'll go off and you'll say, what was that all about? Or, or maybe, maybe you have other means. You write things down on a card or you, you stick sticky notes all over the place. I actually have an app on my phone where I literally email myself. So if nobody else emails me, I'll have emails from myself. I'll email myself things that I need to remember because I know I'm going to check that email. And so I'll just email myself. Um, when it comes to remembering, I, I've often thought that, that really a lot of preaching ministry is really the ministry of reminding it's the ministry of reminding. What I mean is we often come to passages of Scripture, and I'm not sharing anything new to you. Um, maybe you've been in the Word a long time, and you've heard uh, much of the Word. You've read through the Bible. So it's not necessarily new to you um, as far as the truth or concept, but a lot of what I do on a week-to-week basis is remind us of that truth and, and try to apply that truth and remind us of what we have learned before and many times forgotten. When you think about all the... If you grew up in church especially, and whether you're here for the first time and you didn't grow up in church or you grew up in church, you know, in reality, if, if I were to put a gun to your head and say, tell me what I preached three weeks ago, uh, you would be in trouble. But in reality, if you were to put a gun to my head and t- said, tell me what you preached three weeks ago, I would be in trouble. I mean, it's just the compounding effect as we're sitting under the Word and soaking in the Word that God works on our hearts and lives. And so it's not to remember every little detail, but God begins to work in our lives. And so that word remember here was very, very interesting. After painting, remember last week, that before and after picture, what we're like before we're saved and what we're like after we're saved, um, what we're like before we know Christ and then after Christ, Paul says, therefore, remember. And we'll look at what he wants us to remember in just a moment. But as I thought about this, it occurred to me that perhaps one of the reasons that we struggle sometimes in our faith, one of the reasons that we grow cold in our faith, one of the reasons that our church attendance is it's not really steady, it kind of goes up and down, one of the reasons our prayer life is, is dull at times and, and we really struggle in it, one of the reasons we do not share our faith with other people like we, we should, I think one of the reasons we don't do that is because we fail to remember. We fail to remember. We, we fail to remember some important things. We fail to remember what life was like before we knew Christ. And we fail to remember God's mercy and His love and His grace toward us. We fail to remember those things. And when we don't remember just how life was like before Christ, and by the way, if you've been saved for many, 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 many years, in fact, some of us have been saved longer than we were not saved, especially if we were saved early in life, we fail to remember what life was like without Christ and no peace and no hope in this present world. And then we fail to remember just how good God is to us every single day. We sang about it today. 
great is thy faithfulness. And so Paul reminds these Ephesians here and also reminds us some important things that we need to remember. And we're going to break it down even more, but at the very basic level, let me just tell you, he wants them to remember two important facts. Two important facts. First of all, he wants them to remember what they were and then remember what Jesus did. Now I'm going to aim it toward us and talk about it this way. Remember what we were and remember what Jesus did. He's speaking primarily to the Gentiles in this passage, those who are non-Jews. Did you notice verse 11? Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, these were not Jewish believers he's addressing here, but Gentile believers, who were once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hymns. That is, they were non-Jews. And because they were non-Jews, and because we also are Gentiles, there are some things that characterized us as Gentiles, as non-Jews. That is God's chosen people. In fact, there are some very alarming things uh, that are true about us as we remember what we were. Remembering what we were. Let me just give you here five things that it points out here in this passage. We're going to kind of give you a lot of information today and we're not going to elaborate a lot. We're going to just kind of mark it down like a comment or two and move on. But let me just show you what it says about us who were without Christ, who were Gentiles in the flesh. Notice, first of all, it says we were without Christ. Verse 12 says very plainly, we were without Christ. Now, we've been learning in this series on Ephesians called Identity, who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. But at one point, we were without Christ. The Gentile people were without Christ. And that's a a very frightening place to be. Not only without Christ, we were outsiders from Israel. Outsiders from Israel or as it says here in the New King James, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were outsiders. We were not a part of God's chosen people. And then thirdly, it says we were strangers from the covenants. And that's because we were outside the commonwealth of Israel. We were outsiders from Israel. The covenants, the promises that God had made um, since we were not part of Israel, all those promises, all those covenants did not apply necessarily directly to us. We're blessed because of them, like the Abrahamic covenant, The Abrahamic covenant is given to Abraham. I'll bless you. Make your people a blessing. Prosper. There is a part where it says that in you all the nations or families of the earth will be blessed. Of course, no, that's Jesus. But directly speaking, we were outside of that because we were not a part of the Israel nation. And so already there's a a bleak picture here. And then fourthly, it says we were without hope. Without hope. You got to thinking about that. You can live, they tell me, a certain time without food. You can live a certain time without water, but without hope can you really live. Without hope. And without hope, why would you want to live? One of the sad things we see of people who get to a point in their life where they even take their lives because they're without hope. And we were that way in so many ways as a Gentile people outside of the covenants and the nation of Israel. And then it just bluntly says we were without God. We were without God. We find all of this here in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 12. Let's read it again. And at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. You see, the Jews, they had the, um, the promise of the Messiah. 
They were looking for, even before Jesus came, they were looking for the Messiah. But the Gentiles? I mean, what was there for the Gentiles to look forward to? We were without God. We were without hope in this world. Um, We did not know God. We did not have access to God. Talk about having no hope. I read about the cartoonist Ralph Barton. Um, Ralph Barton, he captured the with brutal eloquence, the despair of life without Christ. This is what he wrote in a note that he left on his pillow before taking his life. He left this note behind before taking his life. I quote him, I have had many friends, great successes and few difficulties. I've gone from wife to wife or from house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I'm fed up with inventing devices to fill 24 hours of the day. End quote. And he took his life. Without hope and without God. Now, listen. Some of us have been Christians for so long, we've forgotten what it's like to not have hope, to not have Christ, to not have God in our lives. And when you don't have God in your life, you don't have hope, you don't have meaning, you don't have purpose, you don't have any of that in your life. And yet we're surrounded by people that are living just like that. In fact, we saw a picture of how bad it is in the first ten verses we studied last week. If you weren't here, you can go back and get that off the, um, the podcast and so forth. Where Paul reminds us that before picture, and it's a sad picture, and then the after picture. But we were to remember what we were without Christ. Now, thanks be to God, the story doesn't end there. We're going we're gonna to go through this next part. And that is, not only do we remember what we were, we're also to remember what Jesus did. You know, big doors turn on small hinges. And as you look at Ephesians 2, you see two phrases that serve as a turning point. In verse 4, there's the phrase, but God. And then in verse 13, there's the phrase, but now. And those are key phrases in this passage. In other words, all these things are awful, but God changes things. Now, Jesus permeates this passage. He's everywhere. I went through and just marked the places where Jesus is mentioned. I'll give them to you very quickly. In verse 12, it talks about Christ. In verse 13, it says Christ Jesus and the blood of Christ. In verse 14, it says He Himself. In verse 15, it says His flesh. In verse 16, He and through the cross. In verse 17, He. Verse 18, through Him. And verse 20, Jesus Christ Himself. And He's also the chief cornerstone. I just want you to see over and over and over again, it's about Christ and His cross and the blood. We sang about that in the opening hymn today. Down at the cross. We learn so much about Christ in this passage, especially regarding peace. I don't know if you noticed there, in verse 14 it says that Christ, He Himself, is our peace. Not just gives us peace, He is our peace. In verse number 15, it speaks of Him making peace. And then in verse number 17, it speaks of Him preaching peace. Really, beloved, what we have here is what Jesus did in making peace, not only our peace with God, but our peace with man. We see here this division, age-long division between the Gentiles and the Jews. And God has come that there might be peace, not only with God, but with man. 
William MacDonald was correct when he said, and he said this a long time ago, but it's very appropriate for our culture and day. He said the cross is God's answer to racial discrimination, segregation, anti-Semitism, bigotry, and every form of strife between men. The cross is God's answer. We need to get people to the cross. You get people to the cross, they're saved and their lives are changed. And God the Holy Spirit goes to work in their lives. And so so many of the problems we see, the solution is the cross. They need Jesus. But here's this great divide between the Jew and the Gentile. And Jesus has torn down that dividing line. Look again at verses 13, 14, and 15. But now in Christ Jesus you were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who's made both Jew and Gentile, one, and broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity. So on the cross, He he abolished that. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in one, or creating Himself, one new man from the two, thus making peace. What's He talking about there? Taking two and making one. He's talking about the church. And today, when a believer comes, whether they're a believing Jew or a believing Gentile, they're made one in Christ, the church, the body of Christ. Verse 16 says it this way, that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. In verse 15, He said it this way, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. The Jew and Gentile have been made one in Christ Jesus, the body of Christ. The church. And then He gives three pictures of what that looks like in this passage. And I told you, I apologize, I'm giving you a lot of information, but I must walk you through the passage. And here's what He says, we are fellow citizens. In the kingdom of God. It says that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. We're in the kingdom of God. We're not only fellow citizens, we're family. We used to sing it a lot here. We used to have those fellowship times. And, and maybe one day we can have another one. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And now even the Jew and Gentile are together in the family of God. Why? Because Christ has made us one. Through His blood, the two became one. That is the body of Christ, the church. Not only that, we are a holy temple. Not surely temple, a holy temple. Look at what it says in verses 21 and 22. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now all of this, the fact that we're fellow citizens, we're family, we're a holy temple to the Lord, all of this looks way different than the beginning. Where we were Gentiles in the flesh without hope, outsiders from Israel, without God, Strangers from the covenants, all that. It's it's such a drastic difference. And that's the point. Really, this is another before and after picture. What we were before Christ, what we have after Christ, who we are in Christ, and what Christ has done in our lives, and what Christ is doing in our lives. And this is what we need to remember. Because of what Christ did, we've been brought near. I don't know if you noticed, verses 13 and 17 talked about us being far off from God. But because of the blood of Christ, we've been brought near. Now here's where I want to get today, and we're done. Sadly, 
I'm afraid we take a lot of this for granted. Why? Because we don't remember. We don't remember. I mean, I grew up in church and I've been a Baptist and my granddaddy was a Baptist and, and, and his daddy was a Baptist and all the way back I was been we've been Christians for all this time. We forget there was a time where we personally were without Christ, without hope, and without God. And we forget that. We we fail to remember. And we fail to remember, we're going to celebrate it next week in the Lord's Supper, we fail to remember what Jesus did. It was just not a snapping of His fingers. Jesus Christ had to give His life on the cross and shed His precious blood that we might have life, that we who were far off from God we brought near to God through the blood of the Lord Jesus. We fail to remember. And so Paul says here, remember. By the way, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper next week. As often as you do this, do this. What does Jesus say? In remembrance of me. We fail to remember. Now, what do we do with this? Because we've got to go. We've got to pray. We've got to sing. We've got to go. Well, I think there's two things, and I'm going to leave you with this. First of all, remembering equals worship. When we really remember what we were, and we really remember, that's hard to say, we really remember, say that three times fast, really remember, we really remember what Christ has done for us. It causes us to worship. It causes us to praise. And the second thing I think it does is if we remember, remembering equals evangelism. That is, we remember what our life was like before Christ. We look at this passage of what it says about those who are still without Christ, and it causes us, I hope, or at least it should, to have compassion to reach the lost with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So I want to ask you today, as we pray and as we go to our closing song, do you remember? Do you remember what your life was like before Christ? And do you really remember often what Jesus did for you? Let's bow together. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we do bow. Father, forgive us for failing to remember. Forgive us for forgetting what life was like without Christ without hope, without You. Father, forgive us for failing to remember that we're surrounded by people just like that, who need Jesus, who need the cross. So help us today to remember. Help us to worship. Help us to share. Help us to proclaim the good news of what Christ has done for us. And Father, help us to live in gratitude for all of these great truths, for who we are and what we have in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn in the altar is open if you have a need today. 251, Lead Me to Calvary. we sing it, you allow the Lord to work in your life. 251, let's stand together and sing, Lead Me to Calvary. King of my life, I crown thee now. 
Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget Thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Thine Last verse, would you? May.